You're listening to Flying Casual, a Star Wars podcast. Here's your host, Michael Canterbury. Hello there, Star Wars fans. Welcome back to the latest installment of Flying Casual. I am your semi-host, you know, on the rare occasion that we pop up on your uh, your podcast feed, Michael Canterbury. I've got Lucas Elder with me. Hopefully you remember us, folks. We've been gone a little while, but this is your quarterly podcast update with us. I kid. We're, we're going to get back to regular scheduling, but uh, times are crazy. Uh, Luke, work is crazy. Our kids are crazy. There's damn Chinese spy balloons getting shot down out of the freaking sky. The world is a crazy place right now, and it just so happens we don't have a ton of time for Star Wars. Uh, Lord of the Rings op- occupies a lot of our minds right now. Uh, but how are you doing, man? Did uh, I'm assuming here in Ohio you were not within range of that the, the falling debris from the balloon, right? I think this is how episode 10 starts. I'm imagining the crawl now. A spy balloon floats over the New Republic headquarters. But we're going to let it pass the entire country before we shoot it down. Um, but I also, that thing looked big up in the sky, right? Like, I mean, it looked like the Death Star. So I'm just imagining Death Star sized pieces falling into the Atlantic and beachgoers there in Myrtle Beach are like, what the hell is going on? Is this the Death now, Star? I, I, I imagine that the visual of, of destroying it is much less impressive than blowing up a Death Star. Cause I think a balloon, yeah. you know, it's going to go <laughs> and just shrivel rather than have a fancy explosion. So, do you think that those F-22 pilots thought they would get some epic explosion and then it just you just see this balloon just through the sky? Like, they're like, well, that was uneventful. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure the wingmate was like, stay on target, stay on target. <laughs> I don't know. This balloon really knows some maneuvers. Is that Han Solo in there? Oh, man, how many Family Guy Star Wars references can you make? I don't know. That was that 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 just got me really excited. You well, know? like you said, it was definitely it was definitely bigger than Womp Rat. So I mean, Had to no problem, no problem. At least six Oh, <laughs> uh, guys. So I hope you two were not within range of that falling debris uh, there on the uh, Carolina coast. Uh, scary times here, but uh, looks like old POTUS said, uh, "Shoot it down, boys," and that's what he did. Uh, I think Joe Biden himself actually went up, flew an F twenty two, and took it out. Uh, that's what I'm hearing, but guys, I hope you're doing well. Um, it's been far too long. Uh, and that's my fault. That's my fault. Um, right now, currently recording on a Saturday night, we are within a few feet of our baby girl, Caroline sleeping in her room. Well, (laughs) let me correct that. Mom is getting her back to sleep because the moment dad started talking to Luke here on Skype, uh, she woke up. So wouldn't you have that? This is why it's so challenging for uh, us as new parents. Uh, we've been doing this a year. still challenging because our, our, our child doesn't like to sleep. So that makes podcasting, uh, really doing anything, very challenging. She doesn't like to sleep during the day. She doesn't like to sleep at night. So we're doing the best we can. I, I really do think we're, we're, we're turning a curve here uh, in the right direction. But uh, we're just hunkering down and doing a podcast, but that means we're really behind. Like we're, I mean, we're halfway through, I think the next season of the bad batch, I haven't watched an episode. So I've got a lot of catching up to do, but we're going to kind of pick up where we've left off in star Wars, which was tales of the Jedi, which I know for some of you guys, you're like, wasn't that like 
August or September of 2022, probably. Um, and Andor as well, which wrapped up a while back. Um, so, Luke, a lot of good Star Wars content. I can't speak for the Bad Batch right now, and we'll get to that. Michael's going to catch up. There's, what, six episodes I think i got to catch up on. We're going to get to that. Um, but a lot of good content coming out, a lot of very different content. Um, and before we get to Andor, I want to talk about Tales of the Jedi because there's a lot of good juicy stuff in there. You and I were refreshing each other's minds on what the hell even happened in that show. Um, we didn't even know what to expect. You, you just see some some Tales of the Jedi, like uh, gifts given out at, at Lucasfilm at a party, and people are like, what the hell is this? Like, what what's going on? Uh, well, it turns out uh, uh, it looks like old... Uh, Old, um, oh God, what's Mr. Mr. Cowboy Hat's name? Dave Filoni. There, see, it's been a long time. Turns out he got a little extra cash and got to do an extension of his Clone Wars series, which was pretty much kind of what this was. But, Luke, there's not much hype around this. This kind of came out of left field. Did not know what to expect. But some really juicy canon extensions of stories that we generally have an idea maybe as to what happened, but filling in some holes, filling in some prequel holes, um, but expanding on some story that we already know. Um, Hi, babies. There's my family. Oh, mommy said phrasing. Holly says phrasing. She dropped a nice phrasing joke and interrupting the podcast. I'm here for it. I couldn't even tell what she was phrasing me on. Filling in some holes. That was perfect. That was perfect. We're not editing that out, by the way. That was perfect. There's There she is, guys. She's awake. It's uh, almost 10 o'clock. But, but Luke, a, a, nice, a nice surprise. Um, thinking that the Clone Wars was over. Thinking that, um, you know, that kind of era of 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 Dave Filoni's mind was kind of over. What did you think, man, uh, uh, going into it, and, and were you pleasantly surprised? Well, yeah, first I had to remember it existed because, like you said, I feel like a lot of the people listening to this right now might be in the same boat when you first started saying, let's talk Tales of the Jedi. Like, wait, huh? What was that? Because it, it, it came and went so fast being dropped all at once. And if you add up all the episodes together, I don't, I don't think it was more than, like, an hour or yeah. hour and some change. So um, even when you get like these series that are short, like Kenobi and you can draw out, you know, it still takes you a month and a half or so to watch the full thing as they're, you know, slowly dribbling out your, your episode one week at a time. And that helps it like form in your memory a lot longer. The anticipation to wait for the next episode. Absolutely. On a weekly basis like that. So gosh, yeah. I mean, it took a while kind of, um, ring the memory bell and, and figure out what the heck happened in Tales of the Jedi. And I assume that this is not going to be a one-off in the long run. I feel like they're going to keep doing these snippets, maybe a once once a year or uh, once every other year, maybe Tales of the Jedi kind of yeah. update where we get another little drop yeah. of a short, a short sequence like this. And then, uh, you know, they can all kind of connect together and stick in our minds a little better. Yep. I, I hope that's where it's going, you know, because there were, like you said, some, some tantalizing bits, um, much more for me on the, the Dooku side, even though I, you know, Ahsoka is one of my favorite characters. Ahsoka is my Disney plus icon, by the way, for my profile. Damn. So don't come at me. That's right. You know? He's a Tano OG. <laughs> okay. But, uh, 
know, the, the, the Dooku stuff was just here because it was kind of like we it was from an era of Dooku pre fall yeah. pre episode one Phantom Menace, even though I guess a little bit overlapping even. Um, where we get we get to see a lot more of Dooku than we, we've seen before, and we've got had the fortune of spending so much time with Ahsoka. That was nice to kind of get more of the Dooku background. A hundred percent. And dude, Dave Filoni said this this whole series was supposed to be a following Ahsoka and Dooku. He called it a you know two paths and two choices. I you know I like you said the the, the Ahsoka stuff. I don't even know even what to make of it. Right there wasn't much to it um i think the strongest story for her was was towards the end when when she's talking with bail um and he's attempting to recruit her um but the dooku stuff was so rich it 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 just answered some things that you know we we kind of we kind of could you know read between the lines as to what happened in in the prequels and 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 leading up to the the clone wars and how dooku was involved but it it's kind of surprising in how he was treated i think and when you when you when you when you watch the prequels it just you know kind of makes it sound like he kind of left on his own accord and 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 this and that but Man, th- these these tales do a great job of showing. You know, we we all talk recently about how the council maybe you know had a, made a lot of mistakes, wasn't as great as everyone thought it was, um, and and are the reason you know why things went the way they where they went with their with their uh, their rules and and the way they handle things. And this really kind of expands on that um, as to. You know, not necessarily like making excuses for Dooku. I think he's still a dick, and I think he made the wrong choice. But man, they didn't really treat him very well, um, and, and that's fascinating to me. And, and when you get the stories with him going out in these planets with Qui Gon and Mace, and and they're 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 visiting these planets that are you know under Republic control, and you see the way these people are treated. You know, it's no wonder that so many planets left the Republic in the Clone Wars. You kind of think, like, wasn't the Republic great? Why did so many people leave? Well, I mean, they weren't treated that well by those folks. Not all of them, at least. But it was kind of fascinating to just, you know, dig a little deeper and show that the Republic and the Council wasn't all that it was cracked up to be. And it was kind of shitty at times. I thought that was really fascinating. Yeah. And at first glance to say, like, oh, you know, they... they this first little mini series they chose to pair essentially, even though each episode would either focus on Dooku or either focus on Ahsoka, there is something to the fact that they released them together. Yeah. Ahsoka and Dooku stories together. And at first glance, first thought, some people might be left scratching their head. Like why, why pair these two characters together in this way in releasing these stories? And I think they're, they're, they're perfect perfect characters to, to look at side by side because, um, you know, you mentioned how we get to see Dooku go through, um, you know, missions as a Jedi Knight where he's sent to help resolve conflicts. And we see that Dooku um, has problems with the sort of the Jedi orthodoxy and the way they would like to go about things. And he has his own ideas about how, how to resolve things. Yeah. And in the end, you know, through the Clone Wars series, we see Ahsoka go through that same, same experience. Thing. Yep. And it's about the choice that the two of them make when they bump up against that. It's realizing that there are certain problems 
with the way the Jedi Order approaches some business around the galaxy and the way that they operate. Um, and Dooku essentially uses that disappointment and that realization to go down a darker path yeah. and, and eventually try to destroy that orthodoxy, that Jedi Order as it exists. In his mind, he would say no so that we can rebuild it in a better way, yeah. you know? He's one of those burn it all down so we can we can start new kind of people. But then Ahsoka's like, well, I still value a lot of the teachings and, and the, the message yeah. of, the, of the Jedi. I think it, in certain ways it should be practiced differently. And rather than try to destroy it or take it down or stay a part of it, I'm going to just go be my own person and find a way for me to still be a force for good in the galaxy, but I can be a force for good without being a part of the Jedi order necessarily as it existed, you know, at the time of the prequels. A hundred percent, dude. You, then I, I was in that same boat that you were speaking that just on the face of it, you could just watch this limited series and be like, how are they related? But like we were talking about, it fits within the bigger clone wars picture prequel era. Like you're just plugging holes in. And when you look at those two characters, like you said, very similar trajectory <laughs> and the way they were treated. And then two, they choose two different paths. The crazy thing is, is that Ahsoka was probably even set up to even follow that dark path. You know, Anakin, you know, hadn't really, he hadn't turned at that point with her, but like his teaching style and things like that, they weren't as rigid as Dooku taught under Yoda. Right? Like, so, or taught under, he learned under, under Yoda. So two different, you know, learning experiences. And, and we see, you know, Anakin go off the deep end. Ahsoka, you know, is, is it just goes to show her strength and she is her own person. And like you said, she's going to choose her own path and figure it out. And that's, what's exciting about all the untold stories as to how she figures that out. We get a little bit of it in the, uh, in the novel with her, um, which this series actually touched on a moment from that novel, uh retconned it i don't know people were upset when this happened i don't even know what the differences are at this point it's been so long but i know some people were upset but it's just the the just is the same the same thing essentially happened uh as, as happened in the book but i mean it just adds so much more to ahsoka um and and makes me talking like talking about this makes me more excited for her series too um because i wasn't really excited I don't know, but this gets me more ready. Luke, I mean, is it adding to the hype train? You're still on the Ahsoka hype. I know you've been digging the Lord of the Rings a lot, but we're still on the Ahsoka hype train. Yeah, I'm in a situation where I need no hype for the Ahsoka series. You know, we haven't, we're not really going to get into it. I don't think in this conversation, what 2023 holds in store. Yeah. Because it's going to be a crazy Star Wars year, and we're barely have, have dipped our toe in it at this point with a little bit of Bad Batch kicking things off. Um, you know, by the end of this year, what, what, what's going to be have been laid out before us in the, in the banquet of Star Wars? We're going to be stuffed, and Ahsoka is in probably the most anticipated thing for me. So I need no no extra hype. Ugh. You know what I'm thinking about, though, Luke. I feel a little sympathetic for Count Dooku, and I'm starting to think that it's possible he didn't truly turn to the dark side. And when he told Obi-Wan, join me, and we can destroy the Sith. I mean, was he was he just plotting behind the scenes 
to try to outmaneuver Palpatine? Was he truly his apprentice? I, I mean, obviously, like, Palpatine wasn't living by the rule, too. He was dabbling with a few other people. But, like, is, is, is Dooku, you know, maybe uh, the hero that we needed in that moment and just fell short? I, I mean, what what... Is that is that too far off? I mean, well, I think what the what the Yaddle episode goes to show you is that like he he was already too far gone. He already made too many sort of uh, not too far gone. Maybe isn't the right way to say it because I think you no know, one's ever really back. gone, Luke. Yeah, okay, I know remember that, that. you can redeem yourself in, in Star Wars. You can come back from the dark. You can kill your but, dad and everything. So. <laughs> yeah, we know. I think he he uh, the Yaddle episode is great because it showed that he had more chances along the way to turn away from this path. Yeah. And the, the more you keep turning your back on the light when it's presented an option to for you to do that, the less likely it seems that it's going to be that you you will turn yeah. back. Yeah. So I think by the time, you know, he's, he's offering, you know, that proposal to, to Obi-Wan, it's, it's, um, uh, not heartfelt. It's not real, or it's like you know, to pull in Lord of the Rings. It's like you know, Gladriel says, if if I were to take and wield the ring, I, I would become you know, a dark and beautiful queen as terrible as the, the dawn or whatever she yeah. <laughs> says. I'm butchering the lines, but it's like with an intention to do good. Um, that this darkness that is the ring would corrupt me, anyways. And I think like Dooku's already corrupted himself with his choices so many times that in his twisted view of, no, I'm doing this to, to actually do good yeah, and remake the galaxy because it needs remaking. But um, he's already been corrupted in the, the choices uh, that he's made previously. And so what, what he makes after that is also corrupted. Gosh, that's also a very terrifying scene with Galadriel. <laughs> it's, it's, it's as, as uh, when uh, Bilbo lashes out for the ring, terrifying. Oh, that's a good one. Very yeah. scary moments. Um, and I love what you're saying, Luke, and bringing up that Yaddle scene, just it, it does it does really hit home then when, when Filoni's calling uh, a Dooku story surprisingly tragic. That's how he explained um, his story in, in Tales of the Jedi. And also, I did not realize this, but um, I was reading just a little bit about Filoni's writing with some of this, and, and he said... Uh, yeah, these aren't just fun, happy stories. It gets rough at times. Um, and he attributed some of the kind of darker tones and episodes to being written during the pandemic. I thought that was pretty fascinating that you can kind of, you can kind of see that in it, but there was, there was a sadness even in that moment um, with Yaddle. She's kind of pleading with him, right? Even after fighting him, like, I don't exactly remember what she says, been so long, but pleading with him, like, this isn't you, this isn't like, there's still, you can still, not do this. Um, and then yeah, and even the moment where they have, when you think Yaddle's already been defeated or killed yes. and then she, she comes back by relifting yeah. the, the, the gate, the door that had crashed in on her. And you know, the, the music swells and you yes. think like, Oh, she's going to pull this off. But wait, no, I've seen all the, the yep. movies and stuff. And I know like Dooku insidious, you know, Yep. carry on with their plot so yep. this can't happen this way but it still plays with with your emotion and your your hope again that somebody can turn away from that dark path uh, but then sure enough he he finishes her off he 
does. And it is. It's it's sad to see our, our beloved Yaddle go down. I know, man. I, I didn't know she was the hero we needed. She's the. Uh, you know what? She's the one we deserved. To be honest, she's she's a member. She left the High Council in that moment, did she not? Because she didn't agree with what was happening. I think he, she even pleads with him, like I left. Like I, I, I believe you now. I understand what you were yeah. saying. The, the depth that's added to Yaddle in this like fifteen minute episode, <laughs> when all she was was this freaky background yep. character in episode one, like oh, girl Yoda, what? Yeah. Yoda, girl Yoda with like red hair. This is, yep. this is interesting. Yep. <laughs> it's funny because no one was having a conversation about that or thinking that you had a, like we saw a glimpse of her, I think, in a preview. No one was talking about getting to any depth with Yaddle. The conversation was, is Yaddle going to speak like a freak like Yoda? That's what people were saying. Is she speak like this she will like i that that is the only thing people were concerned with so like you're saying man adding so much depth to her story um and and just explaining why she wasn't there you know i guess i kind of assumed that she just left or retired uh, i mean she did r.i.p <laughs> it's uh, so funny that you bring up the voice thing and i bet there's like some reference book or wikipedia answer out there for this yeah. but like yeah, so she she shows up on the scene, and oh my god, wasn't um, did Bryce Dallas Howard Bryce Dallas do the voice yep. for her? Yep, which was cool to see. But yeah, she doesn't try to do like some weird uh, impression of Yoda. She just talks pretty yeah. normally, and so it got, it gets the wheel spinning. Like, what? Well, so why does Yoda talk like this, and, and this other member of the species doesn't? And then it begs the question: Then what? What will grow at some do? point? Is going to be a blend? But, yeah, my my theory is like so. Imagine you were um, you time traveled or. Uh, you you time travel, but somebody yeah. from like 400 years ago time traveled and was plopped down in front of you and t- started speaking to you. Yeah. Even if they speak the same language as you, they probably sound a lot different. Yeah. Um, and sort of the way they construct their sentences and some of the words they use. Um, and so I'm, I'm wondering if like Yoda, Yoda is like 300 years older than Yaddle. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Yaddle is a very useful, youthful, yeah. one of their species and Yoda's like got a couple centuries on her still. So he like comes from this time when they just, he's a boomer. A little, she's a, little, a Gen yeah. Z. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's, that's she's using slang and he's like, no, that's yeah. not talk like that is not how we do. And she's like, I don't know what you're saying. Geezer. Um, Dude, yeah, yeah, it's the mo- <laughs> you're absolutely right. So people saw the imagery of Yaddle, and then they found out Bryce Dallas Howard was was voicing her, and then people were saying, "Is she gonna speak like you?" And it's like, dude, no. Why would they bring her in to do that? That would be funny. Um, but I, I just I loved that so much, man. And 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 you're right. The fact that we already know what's you know what what comes of these characters that Dooku does turn. It's so crazy that we, you still hold out hope in that moment that you are that attached to the characters. You're that attached to the story that what's happening before you right now, you, you're like, maybe something different could happen. And in some way don't recon anything, but maybe there's hope. There's hope for you. That that's why it's so tragic and it's, but it's so compelling. I, I freaking love it. That's why I love I love that they're doing this. It's it's kind of a visions way of storytelling. You're just taking a brief moment uh, in in Star Wars and 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 
and uh, just kind of explaining it a little more, adding a little more context. I, I, I find that fascinating. Not too much. Like, I don't need seven seasons of something else to fill in holes. Like, this is enough. That's why, you know, Visions, we had no idea what was going on, but it left a lot of room for dialogue and conversation and and. And that's what's happening with these 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 tales. I absolutely love it, and I I hope they do continue it. If 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 they're just taking little sketches of stories that Dave Filoni wrote on a plane, and they're making something like this, let them do it because I think this is actually what he does best. Um, I don't know if directing entire series of like live action is like his strong suit, but he's a hell of a writer in Star Wars, and he understands these characters. So there's still a lot of story out there to be told. Um, hell post you know order 66 that we're going to find out that we're going to get more of this and, and I'm super excited for it Um, but yeah it'll the hero we deserved gone too soon gone too soon Um, what yeah, else in terms of in terms of the confrontations, you know, the Yaddle versus Dooku confrontation was so great Yeah, um, and you touched on the Ahsoka episode that uh, basically is a, a very brief retread of a lot of the plot of E.K. Johnston's Ahsoka novel where it's, you know, post Revenge of the Sith, um, but sort of, you know, pre-Rebels before Ahsoka gets kind of connected back in with the the resistance, the rebellion. uh, And she is out just on her own trying to survive in the post-Order 66 world. Yeah. And uh, she ends up on a farming planet and kind of getting ingrained in this new society and kind of finds her place where she feels comfortable. And then all of a sudden sort of that old uh, life comes back to her in the form of a, you know, an inquisitor finding where she is and, and having to deal with that. And like you said, yeah, some people, I think this always happens with, with these situations where they pull something out of one of the books and, and bring it into live action and are not live action or, you know, one of the TV series, whether it's animated or live action. Yeah. And man, more often than not, you have a lot of people who get like upset about the differences um, I thought it was great what they did where I felt like it was paying homage to it, yep. that story and the value of it. And I felt like it was a, you know, our E.K. Johnson, and I think she was excited about it. Yeah. Um, I think she made some social media posts when the, the episode came out. I, I could be wrong. My memory might be a little off there, but I would be excited as an author if they took elements of my idea and valued it enough to, to bring it into another medium like that. And I think the the showdown that Ahsoka had with the Inquisitor in that episode was a, a wonderful duel and, and confrontation. Um, that's really worth the watch. And yeah, there's slight differences, but it's like the the like you said, the beats are pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's like they're they're paying homage to this this great story from this novel and it's a way to introduce that concept to other people who don't get to the books. Exactly. So, yeah. It means it's, it's way more of a positive than, than well, anything. He could have done whatever he wanted. He could have not done this at all. He could have told another story, but he appreciated what she did and it made sense for what was going on at that point. And, and it's a very powerful in the book. It's super powerful. It's really brief, which we know are some of the most impactful encounters like of combat in star Wars. Now, like I know we all love episode three and the 20 minute lightsaber battle between Obi-Wan and Anakin, and it does need to be epic. Um, but some of these more brief, you know, 
uh, encounters are are some of my favorite. Obi Wan and Maul, their final their final confrontation. Um, there's some pretty brief fight between Obi Wan and Vader in in the Obi Wan series. That's great, and 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 her fight here was was brief, but it just kind of showed her mastery, even going away for so long. Which is there's something there, Luke, because I don't you know there's a difference between Obi Wan and and Ahsoka, but even when she's pretty removed from all of it she still remains very strong with the force very apt at at, at, at taking down inquisitors like i don't know man it, it, it really speaks to how valuable she could have been to the council had they not turned their back on her i don't know yeah and i don't do you remember if it made it into the episode or not i feel like it, it didn't make it into this particular story but one of the the best elements i think of the story in the in the novel is um yeah, the, the, a lot of the comics and the and the novels introduce this idea of um, how the kyber crystals become red for a, a Sith user or a dark side user, yeah. and this this notion of bleeding the crystals is that all the all the dark side lightsabers are red because they go through this process of they obtain a kyber, whether it was one maybe they had prior or they you know obtained it some way, maybe took it from somebody, and then they like sort of pour their their malice and their hate yep. and the dark side into the crystal and it's called bleeding the crystal and that's yep. why it comes out red on the other side so i think one of the great elements of the novel and you have to let me know if you recall if it made it into the episode at all is that at the time that she encounters this inquisitor she's lightsaberless yep but after she defeats him she takes his red lightsaber with a bled crystal and like essentially purifies it, like unbleeds it, heals yep. it. Yep. And that, that is like um, a wonderful uh, part of that story for me and kind of a great message about what Ahsoka is and that, that she's so um, like true hearted that she, she can take a blood kyber and heal it. Um, do you recall that? I don't think that, I don't think it was in the episode story. Yeah. I don't think it was in the episode, but I love what you're saying that, is just a, a, a another way that shows that like she kind of is this just constant light. She's a she's a north star hero that's always going to have her compass pointing north. Uh it, that's just someone you're going to be able to depend on uh, and and the fact that she can bleed a kyber crystal <laughs> and 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 some a concept none of us ever or not bleed it, but but it was bled, and then you know, kind of, I don't know what the terminology is for for bringing it back, purifying it, um, something. But that's another really fascinating thing, Luke. We so we learn, you know, that you can kind of purify a blood kyber, kyber crystal. We learn how um, Sith. We 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 see Vader bleed in the comics uh, a, a kyber crystal. Um, and turn it red. It's so fascinating to me. For years, for decades, people were obsessed with lightsaber colors. Obsessed with, why are they green? Why are they blue? Why are they purple? Ooh, there's yellow ones? Cool. What does that mean? And there's books about this stuff. And like, oh, well, they lean this way, or they do these force moves, and this is why... And it's it was so focused on like the the Jedi and why they choose what they choose, and now 
the most fascinating stuff to me is the red lightsabers and and they've added so much cool story to 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 why they turn red and and you can actually purify them that's fantastic but like i don't care about purple sabers i don't care about any of that stuff um maybe one day we'll understand a little more why uh maybe Filoni will fill that in for us but right now it's like who cares you can bleed one you can purify it that's cool um I just find that fascinating that the, the tables have turned on the, on the lightsabers and red's a little more interesting. Um, that doesn't mean I'm a Sith, you know, patrons. Okay. Still holding the light here. Somebody has to, uh, and, 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 in the, uh, in the casual family, but Luke, is there anything else that we're missing? I mean, it was really cool, um, on the Naboo scene and, and the episode at the, the last episode where Ahsoka shows up, it was, just kind of like the the Ahsoka uh, moment <clears throat> uh, from the Ahsoka novel, it takes us right into episode three, and you're just kind of like, wait, are we? And then like they they go to a different scene, and, and Ahsoka's there, and it's just so cool. It's just another moment where we're kind of filling in some, you know, tying in the Clone Wars and the prequels, and it just seemed purposeful to really remind people. Uh, that Ahsoka was around then and she's going to be around now post episode six. And, and it, it felt really purposeful um, to kind of show that moment, but that there was a real respect for, for, for Padme there, um, which was really cool. I just love the way it tied into the prequels. Um, they're doing a really good job of that with, with everything with the clone wars, with the bad batch. It's just, it's never felt more connected for me. And this just kind of was a little more icing on the cake. Um, I don't know if you recall too much about that, but um, some pretty interesting moments with her and Bale and kind of setting up the, uh, the elements of the rebel cell. Yeah. The, uh, Ahsoka essentially attending Padme's funeral on Naboo does a couple different things that are interesting. They did a really good job um, on several of these uh, showing you, you know, even though they're really short episodes, giving you enough context for you to place where this particular episode is happening on the sort of the grand Star Wars timeline. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And you know, they did that with the uh, the Dooku Yaddle episode. They they gave you hints that it's like right after the the Battle of Naboo, I think, essentially, because they're talking about how Yaddle's still hanging around on Coruscant, but like a, there's a whole bunch of people who went off to Naboo. Yeah. Like Qui Gon's funeral, I think they were talking about. Oh, so yeah. that's that's a cool little snippet that lets you know. Okay, well, here's where we are on the timeline. So the Ahsoka being at Padme's funeral one sets up for what part of the timeline are we on for this episode? Because uh, they are so brief, and they have to kind of give you that context very quickly. But beyond that, just surface level, um, it is it, it makes sense that that she would go if she found out about it, um, because through the Clone Wars series, we see the development of her, you know, obviously being Anakin's Padawan, the relationship that she has with him being so close and integral. But we see through many episodes of the Clone Wars that she really also develops a deep respect and admiration for Padme and the way that Padme works in the galaxy. Um, And she learns so much from Padme that she can't learn from Anakin. Yeah. And so it, it, it makes sense that she, you know, would be devastated yeah. by Padme's death and, and want to go and, and sort of be a part of that grieving process. And because the orders 
destroyed and gone. And there's nowhere for her to do that same thing for Anakin. So I think when she's there, she's, she's there to grieve both for her. I think it's both of their funerals. It's both Anakin and Padme's funeral. Not even knowing that her master was the one who caused it all. It's so goddamn tragic, Luke, because you're right. She's going there with the idea that her master is gone and how are, I mean, how do they even, I don't even, is there any sort of recognition for Anakin in any storytelling of, of him passing? Like, as I think a, in the uh, comics, they talk about him as a hero, right? But because I mean, people yeah, I don't think know. They don't, I don't think they come out and say it explicitly, but I think you're, you're supposed to assume that the galaxy thinks like, I mean, most of the Jedi were wiped out. So I, yeah. If there's a Jedi I haven't seen or talked to lately, I'm assuming yeah. they're True. gone for yep. good. Yep. And see, I don't know that Ahsoka has any real deep confirmation that Anakin's gone, uh, but I think that's the the working assumption for everybody. Yeah. At that point, pretty much. Gosh, what a really, really solid, solid series. Uh, a nice surprise. But I do, I, I, agree, I so agree with what you said, Luke. It's it was easy to forget about it. If you don't revisit it because it did all drop at once, they're so short you're inclined to just watch them all at once, um, and it does get really juicy there towards the end. So that was, um, I'm glad we revisited it, um, and I kind of want to watch it again because I know there's little details that we're forgetting. This was months and months ago, um, so we might need to revisit that. But a nice, a nice refresher on Ahsoka and, and, a, and a tragic story for Dooku, um, but no one's ever truly gone. All right. Well, let's take five. We're gonna let Luke get a little beverage. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a little drink myself, um, guys. When we come back, we're gonna dig into Andor. Um, so for all you Standors out there, stay tuned to the conversation. Uh, I think you're gonna love it. So we'll be right back. Fam, welcome back. Everyone's had their potty breaks uh, and, and, and shotgunned a couple beers. Um, I saw Luke uh, uh, slamming a, a butt ice um, real quickly. I'm kidding. Look, what are you drinking, actually? Yeah, like, it could be farther from what I'm doing right now. It's so funny. I am drinking a sour beer oh. from local Columbus Sour Barrel House Pretentious Barrel House. That is, Jesus. Of course it is. They know that sour beer drinkers are pretentious so they just named the brewery that. And I am drinking it out of a branded pretentious glass I that's basically it. like a wine goblet. But that that's how you should drink a sour beer. God damn it. I love it. It's like we planned that. I thought it was a butt ice. God damn it. It would uh, be great to see me drinking a butt ice out of such a nice glass. It would. That would be. Uh, that would be a big surprise. Um, God, yeah. People used to. What was that? You'd get iced. God, I remember getting iced in college. That was terrible. You just step out of your car. Your buddy ices you. You're like, well, I guess I gotta get down and chug this in the parking lot. Like, what the? Kids are stupid. Anyway, guys, welcome back. Uh, we've had our beverages. Um, I could use a bud ice right now, but uh, I'm out of alcohol. Uh, so it seems so, um, going to be a dry conversation talking about 
and or could be, in my opinion, one of the best Star Wars productions ever. I don't know. That's a humble opinion of mine, but it seems like a lot of critics agree with that. Um, but Luke, there's an element of the Star Wars fandom that didn't appreciate the show. And I get it. Um, I believe there was a moment. I don't think Luke wasn't like, I don't think you were like openly like this is going to suck, but you said it doesn't necessarily feel like Star Wars. And we may have talked about the first or second episode. I don't know how far we got in our conversations, but it didn't feel like Star Wars at the time. And I can totally understand that. The only thing that really would even resemble Star Wars, the fact that Cassie Andor was in Rogue One and some folks had some trench coats that look like Star Wars Imperials. Um, that was all really that resembled Star Wars. So after seeing the series in its entirety, did you warm up to it more? Was there an appreciation there? And the fact that it was, it was different from anything we've seen from, from Disney. Like everybody else, I think it was good. It was well done. I appreciate it. I am happy that it exists, that there is this platform yeah. on which Star Wars can grow and expand in different directions, in different styles. Um, but there is like this, uh, you know, when you, you hear all the praise that Andor has, has gotten from so many corners, there is like this nerd innate backlash inside of me and I think inside of a lot of other people because we're the people who've been here (laughs) the entire time and I love the solo movie yep same and that gets panned all the time I love and I love the prequels and they get panned all the time episode two so you know like to have people come along and say oh they finally made something good in Star Wars (laughs) and all the critics are like wow it's offensive this, this is the greatest it's like Hey, hey, Star Wars has always been great. Yeah, we were in the trenches in 2008 at the theaters watching the Clone Wars and its theatrical release. We get it, people, okay? It can be bad. So I I have that immediate uh, somewhat defensive (laughs) reaction to people. uh, And and this this goes for so many things, not just in Star Wars, not just in pop culture, but like the the way that a lot of people – they utilize comparisons or they can't ever simply praise a thing for what it is. hundred percent. So many people praise things in comparison to others. Yeah. And it's like, they have to tear that other thing down to lift this one up. Yeah. Rather than just saying like, I like this thing because of these characteristics that it possesses. Yeah. Rather than saying, I like this thing because it's not that thing over there. <laughs> Which is like, there was a lot of that with the end where there was a lot of like, Oh well, this isn't episode one. Yeah, you know, there's no jar jar in this. This is serious Ooh. stuff. <laughs> so, like, for me, I'd much rather talk about like why this show is good. Yeah, and then we can have a separate conversation yeah. about why episode one is so good. I'll do that 100%. too. I just don't need to have a conversation that this is good because episode one isn't. <laughs> we used to love episode one, so I get it. But how epic would it have been if Jar Jar showed up in Andor? Can you imagine? Yeah, yeah, Andor and Jar Jar need to have a conversation. This is important. Yeah, like, would anyone have suspected him as a as a rebel? I, Misa, don't know. But Luke, you're exactly right, and 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 that it happens far too often. Hell, it happened in Lord of the Rings. 
when the the new series came out, everyone said, "This isn't this isn't Tolkien's world. Tolkien wouldn't do this. He wouldn't write like this." It's like, get over it, dude. Tolkien's gone, and his family said this is fine. So, at least as far as I understand, I don't know much about the Tolkien estate, um, but I enjoyed it, and I'm not, you know. Granted, I'm a casual Lord of the Rings fan, um, but uh, we're we're trekking casual. What would the what would the comparison in the podcast be if we had a, if we had a Lord of the Rings? What 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 would it be? We're journeying casual. I don't know what we're wizarding casual. I don't know. I don't think yeah, we'll have, to, we'll have to workshop that. For a while. Workshop the idea, though. I do have a really great podcast name. I just. I just uh, uh, quest questing casually. Questing casually. I like that. I like that. Um, but it's in every franchise. Everyone, you know, people talk about gatekeeping and all that. But I, I think it just, I think it just fit with my my pace, and, and I enjoy storytelling. Um, the the way the Andor did it, a little, it took its time a little more. There was a lot of one on one dialogue. Some some pretty deep writing and dialogue that i just i really enjoyed now i enjoy the hell out of whipping out laser swords and things but there there wasn't any of that here and i kind of thought it was a nice change of pace and change of scene um because i feel like that's what it needed to be like when yeah we, you're so right in that it was it was so conversationally based and not really action based oh, yeah it was all about these these cutting deep conversations that all these characters were having. And I think what it did so brilliantly is, you know, we, we have two characters coming into the show that are sort of anchor characters who we know from previous things yep. in Mon Mothma and Cassian. Yep. Um, but even when we really think about it, Mon Mothma, we know so little about Yeah. like what one scene in the original trilogy um, cut from the prequels in, in the deleted scenes you get a little bit of her in what Clone Wars and Rebels. The Rebel stuff with her is great, actually. 100%. But like, she's so underdeveloped, and we don't really know her in the way that we would know some other character who could pop onto the screen. And then Cassie, we spent one great movie with him, but but we still don't you know know him the way we know yeah. Obi Wan Kenobi. You know, and rather than a series saying like because we have these kind of characters who aren't these strong anchors in the mythology in, in the galaxy. Yeah. Oh, we need to throw in the cameos of and add in these people that are, are more so that, but rather than go that route, it's like, no, let's just develop a bunch of great characters yeah. that nobody's ever heard of and nobody knows who they are, but each one they encounter along the way is so well performed, so well executed that like you, you fall in love with with each new character that's presented to you throughout the series. You, know, you, you, know, you have no prior connection to them. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Casting you would think would be the anchor of the series, and 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 in many ways he is. But boy, you get to know you you empathize with shit people in this show. Uh, I think your name is. Let me, let me look at my notes here. Uh, Deidre is she the imperial officer? That we, yeah, I'm terrible with the names on this on the Andor. Yeah, I think it's something along that. And then, um, yeah, of all the people that come to mind, like the um, the sort of tech guy who's part of the the heist. Yeah, 
um, with Andor's crew that it doesn't make it, you know, and he's got the whole manifesto about oh boy oppression and things. Yeah. Um, Andor's mom, who, you know, gives the impassioned speech. She gives her own eulogy, which I think is a great tradition on that planet. Yeah. That you're a courtier on eulogy if you know your your end is near. Yeah. Um, and then, like, just all the little characters along the way who are, are so um, captivating. A hundred percent, dude. And a lot of it goes to the actors that they picked for these roles because they're – they're fantastic. I mean, Stellan Skarsgård, we know, like, you see him in a lot of stuff. He's fantastic. But most of these folks, I had never seen in much of anything. Um, but they're just so good. Like, I talked about Deidre. Like, in the beginning of this show, you you feel for her. You're like, you're in the Empire, and that sucks. But, like, the way you're treated is terrible. So you see kind of a struggle of her own within this complex that you know is terrible but you're kind of rooting for her unfortunately um and then when she kind of gets to where she's going you're like yeah you are real just you're a real asshole like i i feel bad for rooting for you but that's just the great writing that i don't know every single conversation i was captivated i couldn't crank up the volume enough because i'm sure my daughter was screaming and i'm just like what is let me put the subtitles on but every single conversation they were having i was just captivated by um and then that could you know those very deep conversations could build up to a nice action scene there wasn't a ton of action in the show but the prison break scene was really tense the uh, the uh, when Cassian escaped initially from the 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 old uh, whoever that you know the corporate guard was that was pretty intense. Like there was some really good action in here, but man, it was those it was the dialogue for me, Luke. And that that prison um, sort of storyline is is a great example of of what the show did because I was really disappointed when that lasted multiple episodes. I was like. I don't, I want him to get out of here. I don't want to watch this prison stuff for very long. And I was hoping to be like one episode, one and a half episodes and done with it. But gosh, I think it stretched into two or three. Yep. And uh, yeah, I think three, but then by the end of it, it was, it was one of the, I think the most um, well done of the little arcs within the, the first season. And Andy Circus's performance was so fantastic. So good funny to, you know, I've been such in a, like I was telling you before we started recording such a Lord of the Rings world, um, and see him pop up. Um, and obviously not his first role in star Wars either. Yeah. Cause he was the voice in the motion capture for Snoke. So it's interesting that he got to come back and play another role. And just as him, which he so infrequently gets to do on film too, which is funny. And he, he was so great. Uh, but that, that, that prison arc, one of the darkest things ever in Star Wars. Like, it's like, it was like, imagine how, you know, in the, in a new hope, when the kind of the, the torture droid floats in the Leia cell. And rather than show you what happens to her, you, you cut away or when Han's being tortured, uh, in empire strikes back, you at least hear his screams, but yeah. you, you don't kind of like see a lot of it. Um, but yeah, that whole prison arc, you know, it was like, getting to see what happened with Leia and that probe droid or yeah. <laughs> staying with Han longer as he's getting tortured in some ways about how, how dark and yeah. uh, hopeless it was. Yeah. Dude, it, it, it was, 
it was the realism that that just really captivated me and we we've seen you know elements of the beginning of the empire and and why some planets or you know why some people join the rebellion and things like that but man this was so real there was so many really dark scenes that the the prison scenes and how those people were treated um bix being tortured there were so many real kind of scary real moments that made it feel relatable to the world in which we live and made you kind of understand this is what led to this rebellion. This is like, this is the on the ground interactions that people are having. It's not just, you know, this farm boy who has wizard powers. Like it's your everyday people that are experiencing this day in and day out. And it's, it's it's torturous and and Cassian went to prison for six years for loitering <laughs> like what <laughs> it's crazy but like it just felt I don't know it was so real and and I loved seeing that element of it and and I it was you know it was kind of refreshing not seeing any any wizardry or any 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 laser swords because it made me believe that like I can see why you know people said enough's enough um and you see you know different elements of that and the past that people take but i don't know man there's something i had so many notes about this but i just i just enjoyed it a whole lot and it's so crazy that they can take a story like cassian's and do something like this um i don't even know if if diego luna's cassian was the standout in the show i don't know because i was captivated by mon mothma and and the relationship that she's in and how that affects the good that she wants to do and, 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 and just the everyday interaction she's having with her family and the issues she's having with her daughter. And she's like, am I going to lose my daughter to continue to do good in the empire or to do good for, for the rebellion? Like people making sacrifices in, in everyday interactions was just Something you don't see. We know people make a lot. How Luke lost his family. Thank God we didn't see him burn alive on Tatooine. But we understand these people have made sacrifices for the greater good. But you're seeing it in real life interactions. And it was heartbreaking, man. Luthen's speech. Are you kidding me? That monologue that felt like it went on forever, but I couldn't stop listening because this dude is just saying, like, I knowingly choose loneliness for the greater good. And I know I'm missing out on a lot, but this is more important. It was so goddamn sad, but like people making sacrifices and seeing it play out in a real world environment was so compelling to me. And, 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 you know, Ezra's story is great and, and Cassian and the crew and all, and seeing, you know, what things are like. Um, but they still have those magical powers that allow them to do things that the ordinary people can't do. They can easily escape when they're, when they're captured, uh, you know, by the empire, by using fancy tricks and, and things like that. But, you know, Cassian, how long was he there years before any, you know, he could, he could escape. And, and, and um, it was just super tragic, man. It was super tragic. Yeah. It's funny that you bring up the, like the Mothma side of things, because with Cassian, 
I can kind of see where the subsequent seasons are going to go with Cassian. Yeah. Uh, you know, and this, this season was very much about establishing him coming to an understanding that even if he tries to just live for himself yeah, and like, I'm just going to get mine. I'm not going to worry about anything else that he still gets sucked in by the machine that is the empire you know, controlling the whole galaxy and, and oppressing so much of the galaxy that even if he tries to turn a blind eye and say, yeah. I'm just going to get mine and relax and not worry about, you know, the broader societal problems in the galaxy. Yeah. Uh, I don't need to get involved with that. Him, you know, getting sucked into that and realizing that there is no escape from it with how all consuming the empire is. And then with the motivation of his, his mother's rebellious uh, speech yeah. um, and inciting others to rise up against this oppression. You see that whole arc where he, this first season established how he come goes from a person who's ambivalent to a person who's going to care enough to get involved with the rebellion. And I think we'll see him get tied more into the rebellion in subsequent seasons. Yeah. I think it'll start to feel a lot more connected to what we traditionally think of as star Wars and start to be more, you know, more Star Wars, the elements um, play out in his storyline. But Mothma, for me, like, I I have no idea what her subsequent seasons are going to look like in this show, really. So it's almost more fascinating to, to me to see what, what they're going to end up doing. I mean, I could be wrong about Cassian, but I feel like I know yeah. more of what the Cassian side of things is going to look like in the subsequent seasons. Uh, but Mothma is a bit of a you know, less on it, less known to me. I assume maybe she'll get involved too with some of this stuff. And then maybe her and Cassie will hopefully cross paths and we'll get some scenes of them. I think together. I, I hope so. But I, dude, I think she's going to follow kind of in, in Luthen's footsteps. And, and when she gets more involved, she, I think she's ultimately going to lose everything. And when, when trying to do the good, I can, I see her daughter turning on her. I mean, obviously her husband is so uninterested in their relationship and, and it's obviously, it's so crazy when we were just seeing their first interactions. Um, I think I actually sent you a, an article, Luke, after I'd watched this episode and Sally and I had a conversation about um, Mon Mothma and her husband's relationship and, and we were like, God, this seems like an arranged marriage. Like it absolutely seems like this was an arranged marriage, just the coldness and their interactions and, and, and the, uh, you know, the, the, the ideal couple coming to it just, it just, it, that's what it felt like. And then we actually were trying to read up and, and find out more about what, what, what is the story. And, and they were saying Tony Gilroy and, 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 and the writers were saying that's exactly what happened. And it's just going to be more of that. I think, I think, She's gonna have to give up her family. What a what a what a what a I, having a daughter of my own. I can't imagine giving up my daughter for the greater good of the world. But I I think yeah. yeah to, what are you willing? What are you willing to sacrifice for this? And yeah, we'll see her. We sacrifice a lot. Um, hopefully, just the relationship. I don't know. Maybe it could be more tragic than that. That maybe like her daughter actually gets killed or something like that. Well, I even think the um, daughter could yeah. hate that she's so, I don't know, uh, so distant from, you know, her. I could see her daughter even just, yeah. like, 
a hard yeah. right turn. <laughs> now, you know, we had that whole conversation with the Tales of the Jedi about like, oh, retconning something that came before potentially and, and how people get up in arms about it, even if the spirit of the thing is the same. I'm thinking to some of the great Rebels episodes that Mon Mothma is in. So like the, um, the oh gosh, what do they call it? Rebel Cell and, and uh, Rebels Phoenix, Phoenix Squadron. Squadron. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So like Phoenix Squadron gets word that, hey, there's this thing going down. There's this major person who's going to like defect from the Imperial Senate. Yeah. And we got to like go to this drop point to pick her up when she like announces like, she's defecting and makes it known and then we got to go grab her. So she's safe. And it turns out to be Mothma. And so it would, it would be so great to me if this show shows kind of the lead up to that point yeah. and maybe even show some of the elements that we saw in rebels again, at this live action perspective, even if it ends up having to adjust a couple things slightly, but like it, you know, we've been talking the spirit still the same and it lines up yep. in that way. I'd be happy to see that because it's like, in Rebels, you don't kind of get that background. It's just like we're dropped into the Mothma story in Rebels with she's ready to do that. She's ready to be very publicly out of the closet as a rebel rather than yep. undercover still working within the Imperial Senate. Now we're going to get to see the background up to that point through this show. Um, and yeah, so yeah, what what leads her being ready to be so vulnerable that she's out in the open as a rebel. Like, yeah, maybe she has nothing left to lose yeah. at, at that point. It's, it's crazy, man. It was one of the most compelling and saddest stories of all of them. Um, but man, I, I, I really appreciated Luthen uh, and, and his monologue because um, that spy that they had within the ISB was, was pretty surprising. I mean, that guy seemed one ahead of, of, of whoever he was all the time, something's up with this guy. He's either going to turn on uh, Deidre or something. It turns out he's a a spy for Luthen, and and man, that was that guy's wanting out. And Luthen's like, nah, dude, you're not you're not going anywhere. Um, everyone makes sacrifices. I th- I thought that was just that was so cool, man. And to see the inner workings of the ISB is just so cool. It's just so cool, futuristic. Um, it's just dog eat dog, man. You know, there's the greater good, but everyone's trying to one up everyone and it just keeps you on your toes. It's, it's, it's fantastic. I, I want more of that. Um, and I have no idea what's coming in season two. I have no idea. I haven't read any, anything. I don't think, I don't know if there's any synopsis out there or anything. Um, but what we've been told is that, you know, if this goes, if this is it, if season two is it, we're going right up to, beginning of rogue one which is crazy um but yeah i don't know will we will we bring any other stories into this luke i, I mean i don't think that we bring in um jenner so at all right i mean that we're not going to learn about any of her stories from uh her her rebel books i don't i don't think right that would be crazy yeah i feel like it'd be great to see jen again somewhere but yeah, this might be a little too close because by the time she interacts with everyone we see her interact with in Rogue One, she doesn't really know any of them except for Saw for previously. So I don't think they can cross too close on their paths. Yeah. Um, so it might be too much to have her in in this series. But wouldn't it wouldn't be great. I don't know if she showed up somewhere else. I can't think off offhand immediately where that would be. Yeah, I, would, I would love to see more Jin. 
I would somewhere. too, man. Yeah. Show some of the camps, show something going on. Um, I did. But I think we yeah. have. I think we have three seasons. They oh, locked for Andor. I want to say. I don't think it's limited to just two. Okay. Good. So I think we're gonna get to sit with it for a couple years. Ugh, I love it. A slow burn, man. A weekly release. That's my kind of jam. Um, the Saw Guerrera moment. I, I think it was briefer than I thought it was gonna be. But you know what was cool, man? We hear about how freaking crazy Saw Guerrero is, and he's just like, of all the the partisans and all the, the the alliance, he's the extreme. But in his interaction with Luthen, this was another elevated moment for Luthen. I was just like, Luthen's ten notches above in the crazy category. I loved that, man. It was... So like where they're talking about this particular um, guy, I forget his name, and um, so I was like, "We're obviously gonna give him a heads up right and pull him since the IS, ISB's been tipped off." Right? He's like, "Nah, dude, we're gonna let him go." He's like, "What are you talking? We can't do like." I thought that was crazy, man. That was another moment for me of just like Luthen has given everything, and he'll sacrifice anything or anyone to achieve the mission for the greater good of what could be to bring the empire down. That was crazy to me because in everything I've read about Saul Guerrero, everything we've seen, he's the man that left the Alliance because he was out there for blood, man. And he wanted revenge for his sister and, and everything. But Luthen, I need to know more about what got Luthen to this point, man. There's some good story there that we could really dig into in the next season. <laughs> Yeah, no, just to go back a second, I was trying to double check the season thing. You might be right. I'm, I'm seeing some things that are saying the second season might be the final season. Which well, now you got me hyped up for nothing. Yeah, right? I'm sorry for that because <sighs> they were talking originally of like three or four seasons, and yeah. then it got sc- I thought it got scaled back to three, but it looks like maybe it got scaled back to two. But uh, yeah, Luthen, yeah, as he, like you were saying. Uh, might be a, a, a touch more intense than even saw, <laughs> which is which is saying something. Uh, and I think in, in that Rebels episode, I keep re- referencing for Mothma. What develops in the Rebels series is that Mothma and Saw are two sides of the way to approach the rebellion. Where yep. Saw's on the like, no matter how much collateral damage, no matter what it takes. Yeah, um, if it hurts the empire, it's good. Whereas, like Mothma is like, we have to think about what's on the other side of this thing. Yep. Like, you can't make everyone hate you if you take no account for you know collateral damage and, and how you're going about things. If if you defeat the empire, then everyone hates you too. Yeah. Like, that's not going to turn out well either. Yep. Um. So it'd be interesting to see. You know, we we have seen some connection between Mothma and Luthen, although it's not like super concrete just yet um yeah financial situation we're seeing i think she seems to be supporting some of his rebellious activities and some subversive activities um but i think we'll see kind of that dynamic that we saw in rebels play out between saw and her between mothma and luthan as well where she's not going to be on board on some of his with some of his methods and his way of doing the moral calculus about uh, you know what is worth it when you're fighting the empire, and, and what's what's going too far. Yeah. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see that um, that continue to develop, and how much how much he's going to win. I think Cassie to that point of view. Yeah. 
because when we see Cassian, you know, he's pretty cold-blooded by the time of Rogue One. Yes. Um, it takes Jin, his, his developing relation with Jin, to kind of pull him back a little bit from that point of view as well. So I think, I think, um, I feel like that's pretty solid predictions in terms of the way those three Mothma, Luthan, yeah. Cassian might interact in, in season two. A hundred percent. And I mean, we don't, we don't hear anything about Luthan, you know, in, in Rogue One or, or anything past that. Obviously he's like a new character, but it kind of makes you feel like, you know, kind of the things we we're talking about when Rogue One was coming out, we're like, we don't see any of these people in Star Wars. What happens to them? Oh, they all die. Okay. So that it, it definitely seems like there's going to be a tragic end for Luthen, but ultimately, dude, I think it's probably going to be one that's going to give him some peace. And it will probably be when you see this alliance having kind of fully formed and he's like, I can kind of rest now. And it's, it's not going to be on his watch. I'm sure someone's going to take him out, but give him some, some validation, but also just some peace in that. Like he kind of gave it all. He, he put it all on the table and, and, and that will be interesting to see how, like you were saying, how, how Mon Matha, what is she going to learn from this? Because she's pretty, she's on the kind of outside of all this. She's just kind of throwing some funding in because she knows it's the right thing to do. She has access to those funds. But for being this kind of master, kind of leader, planner, like we don't see that. She's going to, there's going to be absolutely a lot of growth for her there. Um, so yeah, what will she learn from Luthan? I don't know who else she would be kind of like, mentored by i i don't know maybe seeing his his the way he's doing things that, that kind of solidifies for her like you said that that route that she takes ultimately of like we have we have to create a government after this like we can't just like kill everybody um but i just man it's it it's it's complicated it, it adds another like element of complication to this rebellion that we all think is just like even generous says what do you all you call yourselves an alliance or you're all rebels right and it's not that it's not that cut and dry. It's not just Saul wanting to sabotage everything and and go out and kill a bunch of people. And it's not just uh, it's not just Mon Matha being a little more diplomatic and and doing things kind of under the table. But there's a there's a darker side of it and of it all. And it's the only way it can be born is that sacrifice and that kind of in the shadows work that Luthen's doing. It's it, that's what it's going to take. It's not. It's not enough what 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 Mon Moth was doing. It's not enough what Saw's doing. It it takes the nitty gritty, and that's what I love, man. That's that's what I didn't even know I wanted out of this period. But they're giving it to us, man. Phrasing, um, but I don't know, man. But I'm I'm glad you're enjoying it though, and I hope other people are too. It is a different burn. It's it's slow. I get it. It's it's a lot of dialogue, but. Hopefully people are coming around to it and, and uh, boy, it's uh, I'm here for it. I don't know. I think, I think it, I think it's a palate cleanser, Luke. I don't know how else to put it. It's a nice palate cleanser. We've had a lot of, a lot of Mando, a lot of Boba and that kind of style. And I think I got a little burnout on it. Um, so this is kind of a palate cleanser for me, but it's making me that much more excited for the Mandalorian season three. Um, kind of hope we don't do another Boba Fett, but that seems like it might be coming around. I don't know. Um, but the Ahsoka series too, I think it changing it up makes me more excited about star Wars because I was super excited and you got Filoni and Favreau. And then I'm like, it's kind of feeling stale. 
it kind of felt a little stale for me, but this kind of threw a little life back into it, and it just makes me ready for, for whatever they got to throw at us. So I hope that's doing it for everyone, too. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, dude, anything else, man, on your mind? There's there's so much more to talk about. The Bad Batch and, and the Mandalorian trailer, and, and we've got more time to talk about it in the following weeks. But anything else on your mind? Yeah, like we've been saying, 2023 has a lot in store. I think it's... I mean, the biggest Disney Plus Star Wars year we've ever experienced thus far. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there'll be so much to, to sink into and enjoy. And hopefully we hear something about a real uh, theatrical release coming somewhere down the God, line. God, I know. Yeah, I know. There's been so many rumored and hinted and even announced at times <laughs> with directors and everything, yeah. and then they fall apart. So it will be great to hear someday that as much as I love all the uh, – the Disney plus stuff and it, it's um, it, enjoyable and well done from my perspective. It's like, you still want to get like that, that star Wars movie again, uh, that, that true theatrical budget and everything that goes into it and, and the excitement and hype of that. So it'd be, it'd be great to see and hear if they finally really have their act together on doing another full star Wars movie. Uh, so I just kind of, I feel like we're maybe going to get closer to that. Although with how many projects have been rumored or even confirmed by people at Lucasfilm or Disney that then don't happen, (laughs) I'm not going to believe anything until they say like, this thing is in front of the cameras right now. We are shooting this thing. Yeah. I need a trailer before I say, Oh, it looks like it's happening at this point. And you're absolutely right, Luke. I cannot wait for the time where I can get a, a, a corn and a large Coke and sit and watch a Star Wars and, and, and maybe even go to a film before and watch a trailer for Star Wars. It's been a long time since I've seen a Star Wars trailer in a theater. I just, oh, my God, I cannot wait for it. We may be years off from that, but you're right, man. Bring it back into the theaters. It's what Star Wars fans deserve. And I, I cannot believe we're talking about this, but people are saying, are we going to get Star Wars fatigue? We're from full circle, folks, from a few years ago. Where we're, is it too much Star Wars? Is it too much Star Wars? Um, I cannot believe we're back at that conversation, but um, it's popular. You know, it's 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 some of the the highest streaming content on, on any of the platforms. So they're going to keep chugging out. But I do hope that they're they're carving out good Star Wars stories for the theaters. We need it. We deserve it, um, guys. That probably wraps up our conversation, Luke. I can't thank you enough, buddy. It's late and the kids are crazy, but we've managed to get an hour long podcast and I don't know how that happened. Um, and I can't promise that the next one will be next week, but we're really going to try our damnedest guys. We got a little better setup here. Um, and, and, and we're just, we're going to go all in. Um, God, Holly and I have to talk about the, the, the Jedi, uh, survivor, uh, snippets that came out about the game there's just so much to talk about uh with cal kestis and the group and somehow we have to get luke to play jedi fallen order and 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 follow the cal kestis group because it's freaking fantastic um so much to talk about so much to catch up on but um, we're gonna do a little bit of that on the patreon we're gonna come right back here and talk about uh the bad batch i'm gonna get caught up luke and i are gonna talk about it luke i mean what's what's give me a feeler how is this a positive for six episodes, are we enjoying it? I think it's been a bit of a slow burner to start. Okay. But I think it's going to have a good back half of this season. Okay. But as far as I know, 
Omega is, is hiding from some transdotions, is what I've heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, watch out for the spoilers if you happen to call me and I, I start doing Omega impressions. It was I might the best. Throw out some spoilers. Looks uh, like I got a work call, but uh, Omega, watch out for those transdotions. It was great. It was great. Oh, gosh. Well, thanks again, Luke, and, and thank you guys for, for sticking along for the ride and listening. Um, that was, you know, I felt like we dusted off the cobwebs, uh, learn how to podcast and talk again. Um, but uh, we'll be back soon to talk about some more Star Wars, uh, whatever's in the Star Wars news, and we'll catch up on the Bad Batch and, and, and share some of our thoughts with you guys. So we love you. Um, we'll see you guys uh, next time. And as always, may the Force be with you all.